I've often called it a silent epidemic that's today is happening in our nation. We've been talking about the fact that there's an invisible war that we deal with. The Bible says that we don't war against flesh and blood. But there are spirits, there's princes, there's powers, there's evil rulers in the dark world. And if you are going to uh, live in this world, you need to, and you're going to be victorious, you need to recognize that we have an enemy. The Bible says that he, is a, he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, but we must resist him. James says it this way, we must submit ourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. How many know it requires an active part on you and I? And so if we're going to win this battle, how many know we got to learn how to engage? And we've learned that God has given us certain spiritual weapons so that we might defeat all the power of the enemy. This morning I want to talk about a silent epidemic that is affecting literally millions in our country today. It is called depression and suicide. Yesterday, you know, I just kind of wanted to get a feel. Many of you know on Saturday morning we have men's prayer. And I asked the men, I said, J just, I just want to just get, see a show of hands. How many of you have wrestled with depression or suicide? We had about 20 men there and about 18 of them acknowledged that, yeah, Pastor, that there's been times in my life that I've wrestled with depression. Some even acknowledged that, yeah, I've dealt with sometimes the thoughts of suicide. I want you to know that unfortunately it's not an issue that we often address in the church, but because of the recent high profile uh, suicides of many pastors and who've recently taken their lives, it come to the forefront in our country. One of you things that became shocking to me, do you know that right now in America, more than one out of every nine people are on antidepressants? If you Google it, they went as far as to say right now in America as of 2019, one in six. Two, it is, it is believed that uh, a year ago, more than 200 million prescriptions of antidepressants were filled in our country. How many know we have a crisis in our land? It has greatly affected our youth. The root cause, 90% of all suicides are a direct result of depression. In 2017, 47,000 people took their lives. Do you know that more people die by suicide than by homicide? Two to one. We, we recognize that we have a problem with violence in our nation. But do you know that twice as many people die of suicide than of homicide in this country? Did you know that the second leading cause of death among young people today between the ages of 18 and 35, the second leading cause is suicide? We have a real crisis, and sometimes it's not always been addressed. It is believed that 10% of the adult population ages 18 to 25 have seriously contemplated suicide and taken their lives. You know, I, I started to ask myself, what has caused this recent rise and epidemic of depression why are so many people uh, are depressed today why are so many people feeling wanting to take their lives well you know there, there's some obvious things first of all how many of our culture has changed and uh, one of the things that I believe that is given right is so good seeing you you're a person of your word good seeing you she says she's gonna be here today come on let's thank God again for all our new very time I don't want to embarrass her amen but listen, one of the things that is contributing to the rise of 
depression is what's been called this digital revolution. How many of you got a cell phone in your hand? Amen. I've got a cell phone. Most of us today have a smartphone, and here's what they've discovered and why, especially as parents, we need to be aware of this. Listen to what the, the American Academy of Child Psychiatry said that kids who spend three or more hours on their portable electronic devices are 60% more likely to develop depression than kids who only spend an hour or less. They've determined that the more people spend on their, on their iPhones or their, their, their smartphone going through social media, the more they struggle with depression and isolation. Isn't that amazing in a, late, in a time where we are more connected, yet we're more isolated? And millions today are feeling the, the, the result of it. Listen, another study have found that, that there's a propensity in kids to have negative, to negatively compare themselves to other people the more time they spend on Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, and others. You know, the reality, how I many you know it's been called, it's been called a comparison generation. I stated out the digital revolution has created a culture of comparison and isolation. And I want you to know that people don't tell you uh, their they, they worst part. They only show you their best part. But I'm, you know, and sometimes you start looking at so-and-so, and, and by the time you look at everybody else, you begin to think, recognize that sometimes stuff, but how many of that ain't reality? And we need to recognize that sometimes, uh, listen, social media is not necessarily bad, but how many know we must be willing to monitor it so that we don't allow it to control our emotions, how we compare ourselves? I want you to know that that's why you got to know who God says, y'all. Can I have an amen? Especially one of the young men shared in our, in our meeting how young people are especially are being bullied, and that is often given it's, you know, created a culture of depression and kids wanting to take it, take their lives. Netflix came out with a, a movie series called 13 Reasons Why, literally glamorizing the whole idea of suicide. And so we're living in a culture today that is uh, almost promoted, encouraged, and catered to that idea. Uh, the th another reason why people are more prone to be depressed than ever before is I believe that the, is one of the leading causes, the breakdown of the family. We don't like to talk about it, but it's a reality. Do you know that children who grow up in a home without both parents are twice as likely to deal with mental illness and mental and depression than kids who have two-parent homes? This past Wednesday, one of our members, I asked her permission uh, to share she shared uh, how that growing up in a, a broken home, how as a result of it, she was sexually abused at an early age. And sister, sister, uh, uh, our sister Janice was telling us her testimony that as a result of being abused and uh, growing up in a broken home, she had a lot of anger, had a lot of pain in her life. And when she became an older teenager, she tried to take her life. But I'm, you know, thank God that he intervened and she's here with us today. Come on, let's thank God for, don't, don't pat it, come on. I, I want you to know, but listen to me. Growing up, the reality is, is this, that millions of, of our children today are growing up because of uh, neglect, because of abuse, sometimes because of just not getting the nurture, the affirmation 
they're growing up with feelings of depression, feelings of uh, suicidal thoughts. The devil will tell them that you don't measure up. And I want you to know it's a real crisis. And the third reason why I believe that we see an, a rise in the epidemic of depression is we have, as a culture, we have drifted away from the Lord. There's been a drift from Christianity that has left many feeling hopeless. How many know he's the God of all hope? The Bible tells us that when people depart from the Lord, that literally that our minds become darkened. I want you to know that, that, that nothing brings darkness and confusion like when we walk away from the Lord. And as a nation and as a culture that we have departed and we have walked away from the Lord. And no wonder we have a generation that's confused. No wonder we have a generation that's dealing with darkness and, and mental depression and heaviness. But how many know God is still the answer? Can I have an amen? And so this morning I want to look at a, a verse of scripture because I've discovered that, uh, that God has an answer to every situation that we can ever go through. And I want to read about the life of Elijah. How many ever heard of Elijah in the Bible? He was one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. He called down fire from heaven. Uh, he challenged all the false prophets. And he said, let the God who answered by fire, let him be the real God. And, and uh, he, he, he went up on, on a mountain and, and he challenged these false prophets. And he put up the sacrifice and he said, listen, I'm going to show you that our God is real. He said, listen put water on the sacrifice and they drowned it with water and he said now listen I want to show you who's the real God they prayed to their God and they cut themselves and they said they, they, they began to pray to their God but nothing happened but then when Elijah prayed to the God of heaven come on how many of there's a God who still answers by fire and I want you to know when he prayed the Bible says that fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice and Elijah not only after he the fire came down. He then took hold of all the false prophets and had them killed. Aren't you glad we live in the New Testament? Come on, somebody. <laughs> but I want to pick up because 1 Kings chapter 19 picks up right after the, one of the highest points in his life. One of the times of one of, the, one of his spiritual highs, he experienced probably one of the lowest points in his life. And come into the valleys. And so I'm reading at 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. And here's my text. The Bible said, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow... I do not make your life like, one, like that of one of them. And Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree and sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I want to talk to you and draw some points that how you and I can not only help those who deal with suicide but, or deal with depression, but also how we, can, how we can not only 
receive help ourselves, but also minister to a generation that's wrestling with depression. You know, this verse of scripture uh, reminds us that, listen, I don't care who you are, none of us are beyond being tempted to become depressed, discouraged, to experience defeat. You know, depression is a persistent feeling of sadness, being down, loss of interest, being despondent. You know, sometimes it causes people to want to not be able to sleep or to want to just stay in the bed. Sometimes it causes people to lose their appetite or sometimes it even causes some people to indulge, whatever. But a lot of times when you begin to see people who have a, a change in appetite or change in sleeping pattern, sometimes it's because of dealing with feelings of depression. Depression is real. Here's was, here's was Elijah, a person who was a great prophet, and yet he wasn't beyond feeling thoughts of wanting to take his own life. Aren't you glad for the Bible? The Bible keeps it real. It kind of lets us know that, you know what, here, the, you know, we often see these great people and we see them in a the light, but, you know, God lets us know they were real people. They struggle with failure. They struggle with fear. They struggle with wanting to take their own lives. And I want you to know that, listen to me, fear, failure, discouragement can lead to depression. Elijah here, he, he even goes look at your life and say, oh, you know what, I don't measure up. And, and, uh, and you, you begin to, if you don't deal with those negative feelings, you know, you can find yourself going in a spiral of depression. I just want to see by a show of hands, how many of you at some point in your life, you've been discouraged or depressed? Raise your hand. Amen. That, that's, the, that's the vast majority. It reminds us that if you live long enough and if you live in this world, you're going to experience some point, you're going to experience or be tempted to be depressed. And so I want to, first of all, I want to tell us how is the church we can help those who struggle with depression and suicide. The first thing I want to acknowledge is this. We got to remove the stigma of mental health in the church. What is a stigma? A stigma is when, we, when someone views people in a negative way because of a certain condition. You know, if a person comes to the church and says, you know what, my body is, is, is going through some pain and, and I, I'm sick. You know, we have no problem sympathizing with a person if they're going through a physical ailment. But isn't it sad that sometimes when it comes to a mental state, that sometimes a person says, well, I'm dealing with a mental battle, battle. I'm struggling in my mind. Sometimes we begin to sometimes look down or, or sometimes, you know, I often think that, uh, especially among men, we think it's a sign of weakness. But no, the reality is, if you live long enough, you're going to deal with discouragement. You may deal with depression. And I want you to know the good news is you don't have to stay there. Sometimes depression is caused because of a chemical imbalance. And this is important because, you know, sometimes you can't just always cast it out. Sometimes they need to go to the doctor. Can I have an amen? Sometimes they need a good counselor. How many of you, you grateful that God can use a doctor, that God uses doctors? Come on, let's thank God for all of the physicians. You know, uh, Sister Grace, who gave that powerful word, she is a, a licensed counselor, and uh, she works in our community. And so if you're struggling with any kind of uh, mental or emotional, I mean, you know, that she will be glad to help you and counsel you and give you some great 
advice and how to you can get help. You don't have to stay there. And so I know that may be others who may be licensed counselors, but I want to say that ahead of time because I'm not telling you to throw away your medicine. <laughs> you better take your medicine if you <laughs> Can I have an amen? amen? Oh, I'll tell you, listen to me. But I want to bring this out. Listen, and there is a suicide hotline, you know, that we can help people. It's 1-800-273-8255. If you know somebody that's dealing with the thoughts of wanting to take their life, let me just tell you, we, we have to let people know it's okay to not be okay. We got to remove the stigma it's not a sin to be depressed. Can I have an amen? It's not a sin to, 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 to experience discouragement. It's not a sin to, to deal with those things. And so we got to remove the stigma in the church. Here was Elijah. I like the way the message Bible said. He said, enough of this. Take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors. I want you to know, recognize no matter how strong you think you are, all of us are vulnerable to destructive and negative thoughts. Can I have an amen? The Bible says it this way in 1 Corinthians. There is no temptation that has taken you, but such is common to all men. In other words, listen to me. There's some, the fact that you're going through it, that somebody else have gone through it. Can I have, you're not alone. Can I have an amen? And so we need to let people know, it's, you, you know if you're going through it, you're not alone. And, and I believe that if we will remove the stigma, you know, we can be more of a healing agent in a hurting world. The second thing that I think that is, becomes important, if we're going to help people who are dealing with depression, so we must be willing to carry one another's burdens. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. I like the way it says it in the Message Bible. Listen to what it says in the Message Bible. It says, stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. I want you to know that's the picture of Jesus. Jesus didn't come to condemn people because of what they were going through. He came to stoop down to right, right where we are. And one of the greatest opportunities that we have as believers in a, in a time where depression is an epidemic, that we can come alongside and we can stoop down and we can bear one another's burden. How many know the burden is a whole lot lighter when somebody else is helping you with it? Can I have an amen? Listen what it says. Uh, Romans goes on to say it this way in Romans 15. Verses 1 through 3. I, I'm going to read the message Bible. It, it says it, um, you know, in the, uh, it says, those of us who are strong, in, in the King James it said, those who are strong are to bear the infirmities of the weak. But listen to what it says in the message Bible. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to help in, I'm sorry, need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. And not just, do what mo not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Each of us needs to look after the good of people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. 
He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but he waded in and helped out. He took on the troubles of the troubled in the way the scripture puts it. I want you to know that, listen to me, if we're going to be a healing agent in a hurting world, if we're going to lift people who are dealing with discouragement, who are dealing with depression, who are battling suicide thoughts, how many know we can't condemn, we can't judge people, but how many know we got to come alongside and we got to love them. We got to take on their trouble like Jesus did. Come on, somebody, let me just tell you, that's the way Christ wants us to do. It's so easy to judge people. You know, Sister Janice was telling me, you know, that, that sometimes when she was dealing with her with her depression and dealing with thoughts of suicide you know sometimes you know she had a lot of emotions going on and it was so easy for people to get impatient with her it was so easy for people to judge her but how I many you don't know what people have gone through you don't know what's going on behind in, in people's lives. And how I many know that's why it requires that we bear along with one another, that we be patient with one another, that we commit to loving one another. I want you to know that listen, that is the way God wants us to do it. When people are in their motions, it requires us to be sensitive. That if, we, if we're willing to, to inconvenience ourselves, you know, it's so easy when you see people hurting, it's so easy to want to avoid their pain. But I want you to know, Jesus didn't avoid people when they were hurting. He was willing to enter in and, and stoop down and help them in the time of their pain. And I believe that as never before, God has called you and I at this season, especially in our nation, where so many are on antidepressants and dealing with depression and, and struggling with discouragement and struggling with thoughts of wanting to take their lives. As never before, we need to live out what the Bible says. We need to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The third thing, if we're going to be a, help those who are struggling with depression, we must be willing to connect people in community. Psychology Today said one of the most important keys to mental health is connect people, to connect with people around you. In other words, God never intended us to handle life's problem alone. Understand this, the devil wants you to be isolated. The devil, do you know that? That's why when people are dealing with depression, the enemy wants to push them aside and say, listen, go alone, be by yourself. Get alone by, you know, no, don't get around people because the devil don't want you around people. You know, it's amazing that when we get connected with others, how you know we can, we can lift the other up. We can pray one for another. I want you to know, uh, if you... For those of you that have ever battled with discouragement or, or depression, and I, you know, I, I was telling Angela this morning that, you know, I didn't realize that there were times that I, I didn't realize I was depressed because how, how men sometimes handle depression is different. Sometimes men handle depression by getting angry, by being irritable, by, by uh, and that, there have been times in low points of my life that I realized that I wasn't good to be around. I didn't realize it, but I was probably going through my own time of depression. 
But I'm grateful for the body of Christ. Amen. One, one of the reasons why, let me just tell you, Mark said this yesterday. We met about 20 plus men met in our office and we had a time of sharing and praying one for another. And as several men shared their own battles that they have had with discouragement and depression, you know, we were able to pray one for another. And Mark said after, he said, man, y'all realize people pay money for this. How many know in the church is, and so it's free. And I, I want to say that one of the reasons why I believe that God has helped me and to, to live victorious over the times when I've struggled with being depressed or discouraged is because I've surrounded myself with men who lift me up and pray for me. And I want to say again, I thank God for all the men who encourage me, who pray for me, who lift me up. Uh, I, I shared uh, Brother Bobby there's not a Sunday go by when I don't walk out and he don't give me a word of encouragement. I tell you, I don't care how bad I, I did. Miss Brunetta is another one. Uh, I, could, I could preach the worst sermon. She said, Pastor, you did a good job today. <laughs> let's thank God for all the encouragers in this world. Come on, let's thank God. I want you to know that, listen to me. God has called us to be encouragers. And I want you to know, we are called to lift one another up. And we are called to connect people in a world where people are often isolated and feel alone. I want you to know that we've been called to bring people into community. Listen what it says in Psalms 68 verse 5. Speaking of God, he's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of the widow is God in his holy dwelling. The next verse says, God sets the lonely in families and he leads forth prisoners with singing. I want you to know that God never intended you and I to live alone. He said it's not good that man be alone. And one of the greatest ways that you can protect yourself and help yourself in times of when you experience your low point is to, is to find others who you can connect with. To, the Bible says where we confess our faults one to another and pray one for another that we might be healed. We are more prone to depression and suicide when we isolate it. And one of the greatest ways we can help people who are struggling is just to be their friend. I want to challenge you as never before as believers that, listen, if God has blessed you with a home, don't just say, this, you know, be content us four and no more. Open your home. Open your life up to others. You know, I try to never have a Sunday go by where I don't have somebody sit at my table. Because you know what? I realize that we're blessed so that we can bless others. Can I have an amen? I didn't hear too many people say amen. Even if it means sharing a hot dog, can I have an amen? And if you and I will learn, listen to me, one of the ways we can bless people and one of the ways we can connect with people is just by opening our lives up by being willing to be that surrogate family in a, in a world where there's so many broken families. I want you to know we're living in one of the times where they says loneliness is an epidemic. I wish I could take you all home. But I can't. But I mean, you know, if everybody would do their part, then we can make sure that nobody lives alone, that nobody, nobody experienced ongoing loneliness. I believe that we all need to open our lives up and be willing to say, God, who can I connect with? I believe that especially, I want to say to the men, 
in this fatherless generation, I believe that we're called to father the fatherless. I believe that, listen, we had hallelujah night, and I was so blessed. You know, some of the kids who came, who, who are part of our Kids on the Move camp, so many of them ran up to me and said, hey, Pastor Neil, whatever. You know, how we respond to kids. What if what I would say, oh, man, I'm so busy, don't, I don't have time. We got to make time, especially for a generation. I realize that we have a generation that's starved, starved to be loved, to be accepted, to be a part of something. And the thing is, if we don't make them a part, if we don't invite them in, I believe that we push them to join the wrong group. Can I have an amen? And I believe that one of the reasons why we're losing so many of our youth is because sometimes we don't make a place for them at the table. And so I want to challenge you, every one of you, listen to me. Listen, I've learned if you want to be blessed, the Bible says if you water others, God will water you. you how, many, how many can stand more of the blessing of God? How many want more? Let me, just tell, let me just tell I've learned the secret. The Bible says that, listen, there is he that scatters and yet he continues increasing. That is he that withhold and he comes to poverty. The Bible says the liberal soul, the person who's generous, the Bible says he will abound. I want you to know, if you want to abound, then you purpose to be generous. You purpose to open your life, open your doors. I want to tell you, especially to this young generation, we need to come, around, come alongside, give them a hug, let them know that you're a part. I don't care if they don't have a father in the line, I'll be that father. Listen, listen, we need to take time and support them in the things that they do so that they can know that somebody cares. And I want you to know, if we'll do that, I believe we'll see less depression and less suicide in our Come on. How many agree with that? How many committed to doing that? Come on, let's give God a prayer. Listen, that's what God has called us. If we're going to help those who struggle with depression and suicide, then we're going to have to connect them to community. Notice what Elijah said in 1 Kings 19.10. He replied, he said, I'm very jealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I am the only one left. I mean, the devil always want to tell you, make you believe you're the only one. I want The devil is a lie. I mean, God let him know there's 7,000 that had bowed their knee. I want you, you're not alone because as long as God is with you, you're never alone. Can I have an amen? And we need to let people know that you're not alone. But it's like the little boy who was having a problem with nightmare, and uh, when he would have a nightmare, he'd run into his parents' room, and the daddy would say, son, you know, listen, God is with you. Uh, uh, just go back to sleep. You're going to be all right. And uh, he went back to sleep, and he had another, got afraid again. He ran back in the home, and uh, he, he, the daddy said, uh, Son, you're going to be all right. The Lord is with you. You're going to be all right. He said, yeah, Daddy, I know the Lord is with you, but I need somebody who I can touch. Come on. I need, <laughs> I need somebody who can hold me. And I want you to know that, listen, though we have a God in heaven, I know we're to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We need to let the world know, listen, I'll be there for you. And when you're going through your low point, I'm going to stand there with you, and I'm going to be there to hold you. Can I have an amen? Fourthly, if you and I are going to effectively minister to a generation who are battling with depression, hear me, we must encourage them for the need 
for proper rest. This is often one of the most overlooked aspects of mental health. Listen, in 1 Kings 19, verses 4 and 5, I want to read it. It says, uh, then he laid down at a tree and he slept and he fall, and I'm sorry, and he fell asleep. And at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. I like what the message Bible, the message Bible says this way, exhausted, he fell asleep under a lone broom bush and suddenly an angel shook him awake and said, get up and eat. First of all, I want to say to you, sometime the most practical thing that you can do, if you're, if you're exhausted, if you're burning the candle at both ends, you're going to be prone to discouragement. You're going to be prone to depression. I want you to know, sometimes Neil go take to go take. I, there's time when I come in, I'm irritable, and I'm going through. She'll just say, Neil, go take to go take a nap. She recognized when I need a nap. And it's amazing sometimes after I take a nap, how every, I see everything in a different light. How many of you can relate to that? You know, sometimes it's amazing what a good night rest will do for you. And God recognized. Here was Elijah. He's gone through the lowest point in his life. But isn't it amazing when he was exhausted, what he needed probably more than anything, he needed to sleep and sometimes to eat right. Say eat right. People who study mental health have determined that there's a di direct link between physical health and mental health. In other words, the more one takes care of his body, the more we eat right and rest, the more we'll, we'll tend to have a positive outlook on life. The Bible says in Psalms 127, it said, It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night. Isn't that the American way? We burn the candle at both ends. We always pushing it and pushing it. But God said it's useless to live that way. Let me just tell you, because if you're not taking time to rest, you're sinning. God, do you know that God put sleep at one of the Ten Commandments? He put rest as one of the Ten Commandments. He says, six days a man shall work, but the seventh is a day of rest. Sheriff, are you taking time to rest? Now y'all, amen. Come. I want you to know sometimes the demands of life can be so pull at us that it's pulling us at every end. And I want you to know, I was listening to a pastor this morning and he was sharing how, man, I used to work seven days a week, uh, funerals and counseling and weddings and, and meeting with people. And he said it looked like it never stopped. And he said, but he had a, 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 a physical attack. And when he said, when he was rolling in the doctor's bed, the doctor was telling him that he was bleeding on his brain. And he watched his children there with tears, and they couldn't even come touch him and be with him. And he watched all his family stand there. He said, I realize God healed. He told, he, he told his congregation, I ain't dying for none of you. <laughs> He said, get mad if I don't come to the hospital. Get mad if I don't. But listen, I'm not, I'm not going go, to uh, die to go to an early grave for none of you. The reality is, if you don't take care of yourself, you won't be around to take care of others. Can I have an amen? And so one of the things, if you and I are going to take care of, is important. Let me just tell you, if you're going to have good mental health, it's so important that you and I take times to rest and to eat right. 
in the exercise. Because I want you to know that if you're not taking care of your body, you're more prone to be feeling sluggish. You're more prone to deal with mental uh, uh, discouragement and mental, mental attack. One good thing is amazing. The angel told him, get up and eat. And sometimes that's what, well, you don't need to tell too many Americans that. Maybe you need to say, get up and stop eating, the, not stop eating that junk food and eat some good food. Can I have an amen? But I'm, you know, we need to, we need to get, stop eating all that Popeye <laughs> and all that churches and start eating some, some stuff, some, putting some vegetables, putting some foods that, bring, that, that gives your body the right nutrients, the right vitamins. Some of the foods we eat, it depletes our nutrition. It depletes the vitamins and the nutrients in our body. You know, when you look at uh, uh, some of the stuff we order, if you if you go, I'm gonna interrupt you. I'm gonna make you not want to go eat the junk food today. But sometimes, if you if you eat all the stuff that doesn't put any kind of nutrition in your body. It drains your body rather than gives your body energy, gives your body vitality, gives your body, uh, uh, you know, you, you, the, years ago they, they had a song, when you get up have gone and got up have went, a hunker, a hanker for a hunker cheese. How many remember that? You're, 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 the old people, the young people don't know nothing about that. But every day, let me just tell you, I'm going to tell you, I started, one of the things I do every morning, every morning, I start my day after my time of prayer. I have a fresh fruit smoothie. I make it with kale, with bananas, with strawberries, with grapes, with blueberries. And if I have some pineapples, I put that in there. Put a little pineapple and orange juice. Put a little protein powder, a little oats in there. And I want you to know it's, I'm good for about the, at least half the day because it, it gives me all the nutrients and vitamins and energy, and it don't weigh me down, but it lifts me up. Can I have an amen? amen. And if you want me to show you all how to make it, I'll show you all how to make it. Come on. I need to, I need to listen to you. If I show you how to make my smoothie, you, I'm going to put Smoothie King out of business. <laughs> but hear me. I want to stress the importance, as practical as it is, God designed the human body in such a way that we, if we're going to have good mental health, we have to take care of our physical health. And lastly, as I close, in a world that's dealing with so much hopelessness, we got to be dealers of hope and not dope. I'm going to say that again. We got to be dealers. Of we are living in a culture that is uh, medicated to no end. But I want to tell you that for many people, what they need is hope. The Bible said, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow, say overflow, with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. As I close, I've asked my wife to come. She wanted to share her testimony when she battled with suicide and depression, how God helped her understand. And so give Angela just a warm welcome as she comes. Amen. They took all the mics. Amen. I'm going to let her speak through this one. Amen. Uh, I tell you, God is always our, our strength, our all in all. 
there were um, several times in my life, actually, that I dealt with depression. One time specifically, not just one, I'm sorry, one time that I uh, will share with you specifically that I dealt with suicide. And that was as a teenager. And I tried taking pills, and um, I wasn't taking enough of them because it would just give me a good, good time of sleep. But, um, and I, I'm so very grateful for that. But once I, came, once I came to know the Lord, I thought that, oh, great, I won't have any more problems and anything like that. But no, that's not true. We live in a real world where life happens. And I needed to learn how to deal with life, how to deal with those problems, how to deal with things that came at me. And um, I can't remember what, but I remember a particular time that I went into a deep depression. And I would cry every day. And I didn't want my children. I had four kids at the time. My kids were all small. And I did tell Neil, I said, you know, I'm, I'm depressed. I, I, I need to go somewhere to a facility or something. And I shared with many of you, he didn't understand depression at the time. And um, he had a wonderful answer. He said, uh, I can't afford it. <laughs> that ain't the right answer. <laughs> yeah. He's a wonderful man, but wrong answer at that time. And thank God that he does understand that now. And... So what I, I, uh, I, don't, I can't remember if someone told me or if I heard this myself, but I began to write down scriptures that said everything contrary to what the devil was telling me. The enemy was telling me I was no good. You're nothing. You're no, you are nobody. Your life is worth nothing. You're not a good mother. You're not a good wife. Just all those, all those things bombarded my thoughts. And so I began to, every morning, I'm sorry, every afternoon, actually, about lunchtime, I'd give my kids lunch and I'd run upstairs. I couldn't wait for that time just to, because the tears would be um, just overwhelming me. And I didn't want to cry in front of my kids. I was so glad for the opportunity just to come before the Lord and say, God, help me. Help me because I'm a mess. And I began to read the scriptures by who God says I am, that I'm the apple of his eye, that I'm more than a conqueror, God, that I can do this. I can make it through the day. I can make it. Sometimes it was just, God, if I can make it through lunch, if I can make it through dinner, if I can make it through the night, but I had to go daily and depend upon God's word to strengthen me. Because we could listen to the thoughts of the enemy and give in to that. Give in to that lie. Give in to the lies of the devil that you are what life uh, has done to you. And, and like Janice, I was molested. I wasn't molested throughout my life. I was molested as a teenager by a policeman, actually. I was parked in the wrong place. And thank God that he spared me from rape and who knows what else. But you know what? We can either think about the bad things or we can think about the good. I could have given in and said, yeah, the devil would make me think you're ugly, you're nasty, you're no good because of what happened to you. But you know what? I am not moved by that anymore. Devil, you better, you got to do better than that. That's right. I'm, I'm just being for real. This is where I stand right now. But I had to make up my mind. I am not who or what has been done to me. No, I, no, that doesn't make me. Jesus, you created me. You understand who I am. I'm more than enough. I'm more than a conqueror. I understand the power on the inside of me. I can defeat the wicked thoughts of the enemy. And I had to learn not just to go to the word, but to bring laughter in my life. Life is hard. Life gets rough and tough sometimes. 
And we have to add laughter. Neil and I would literally uh, read a book. It was like a comic or something. It was Christian something I don't remember. And just it was just so funny. It was just a book, and it would have little different little captions and little pictures that were hilarious. We would go through that book and just laugh. Sometimes for us, it's just putting on a, putting on a, um, a movie. What is it, Home Alone? And I mean, we are on the floor rolling. We, you know, but you've got to do things in life that makes you laugh. Yes. Jesus, Jesus has, he's, his word says, I wish that you have life in that more abundantly. I've come to give life in that more abundantly. Jesus, you want me to have the abundant life? Why yes. I will not dare then give in to the wiles of the devil. Yes. You know, I can't, as long as you think that there will not be a better day, you will wallow in hopelessness. Yes. But because of Jesus, because of his yes. word, there is a better day. Yes. We Come serve on, a God Jesus. who's great. Yes. We serve a God who's mighty. Yes. We serve a God who has the final word. On, there will be a better day. Yes. Life gets better. Life gets sweeter because yes. of Jesus. Jesus yes. is all powerful. Jesus yes. is all knowing. Sorrow, yes. the trouble won't yes. last always. Thank you, Lord. So this morning, we want to pray this morning. We want to pray. The reality, I know in this congregation this size, obviously there's this people, men and women, boys and girls, young people who may, even right now, may be dealing with a time, a low point in your life, just like Elijah. I want you to know that God is the God of all hope. Yes, he is. I remember one of the things that, one of the men shared, he said, if you let your mind stay in neutral, the devil will continue to beat you and tell you all that. You got yeah. to ship it in gear. You got to That's learn right. to put on your praise. You got to begin to hope in the Lord. The David, David said it this way, I would have fainted unless yes. I believed to see the goodness of the Lord. How many you know God yes. is a good yes. God? Yes. And yes, I don't is. care what has gone through your life. We serve yes. a good God. He yes. said, but, but I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Yes. And I want you to know that if you're going through a low point, realize that feelings and emotions are subject to change. They're temporary. You can't base, you don't make a major decision at a low point because I mean, they're subject to change. And that's why you got to hope in God. You got to put your hope in Him. You got to learn to look to the hills from whence come your help. Realize your help cometh from the Lord. Yes. And so this morning, we want to pray for you. If you're here today and if you may have battled or you know somebody who battled with depression or discouragement or even wanting to take their life in the day, you want to say, God, I want to either be part of the solution or you want to stand in the gap today. And that's you. I want you to just stand on your feet. And we're going to pray for you all over this room. If that's you today and you need.